Hey there, welcome to Trace's show, where we talk about politics, the current events, and issues that may be on your mind. Uh, crazy that today we had some unfortunate news uh, this morning. I get up about four o'clock every morning, and um, I get to and get to work, get to my shop about six. And on the way to work, I kind of I like to listen to the news to to get updated what's going on. Um, unfortunately, last night we had a shooting go on. Uh, plus, we got some stuff going on um, down in South Florida. I believe it's Broward County and Palm Beach County that are still counting ballots. So uh, we want to figure out what's going on down there and shenanigans because Florida law says they must have their uh, counts in within 24 hours of the election at CAP. So, uh, And then we'll talk more about identity politics and things like that. So welcome to the show. Ted Cruz only really won by four points. So that that was so close. Uh, you know, it should not have been that close. So Texas being in the deep state, deep red state it is, well, how in the hell was it that close? You know, uh, Ted Cruz hasn't run a race like that that close ever. You know, and the fact that it, it wasn't really the, on the agenda for the Democrats to win. That was just a plus if they won that Senate seat. If they won the Senate seat, I don't think we'd ever have a Republican in the White House ever again. I think I think Texas turned blue would be detrimental because if you think, you know, Dana Lash was talking about it and she I think she's spot on. Six, eight years ago, Colorado was a red state in a matter of one to two election cycles. They flipped it blue. That's crazy. So it just goes to show you that, you know, in Texas, especially the race is so tight. And that was their goal was was to make sure that they could bring in. Uh, you know, and they spent almost a hundred million dollars doing it, but they brought the race a lot closer than it should have been. And it just goes to show you the influence of the Democrats has moved into Texas and, uh, the County that Dana Lash lives in, like she talked about, he flipped that thing blue. You can turn Texas blue, which was her County was barely, barely Ted Cruz won barely, I think by like three or 4,000 votes. So it was close. And, uh, you know, it's really something to think about. The Democrats have, you know, paid activists to move into Texas and everything. And for that race to be that close was just insane. I mean, you flipped you flipped Texas blue. You might as well kiss the White House goodbye for Republicans and maybe any other election. And, uh, you know, the surprising thing was, you know, the Republicans held over in Florida. And then the Democrats didn't expect that. I mean, they were crushed by that, you know. So Ben O'Rourke, you know, he really wasn't. He'll be around. He ain't going anywhere. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he'll run for something in the future. But Beto O'Rourke, for example, for example, Beto O'Rourke was kind of just more of a chess piece, moving, moving closer to the to the to the um, checkmate. You know, it was more of an issue for Democrats just to get a little closer to winning that Senate seat, to turning Texas blue, and that's really just something that to keep in the back of your mind because that was their goal. They turned Colorado blue. California was once a red state, and now it's completely. It's the most liberal state we have in the in, in the union here, in the United States. So you know that's just something to think about. Pay attention, you know, to to what goes on because you know in the future here, I think these, especially in super red states like Texas, these races will get a lot closer, like Florida was. And uh, for Florida to stay Republican, that's great. It helps small business owners like me and, and others uh, keep more of their tax money uh, to themselves to reinvest. And so people can reinvest their money. 
in themselves and in 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 their employee in employees and in their families. So that was that was important. I'm glad you know, Florida stayed red, and I hope it stays red. You know, through the through the runoffs, if there are any, and, and the recounts, because that's important. Um, but you know, for these races to be close, it just goes to show that the Democrats are really moving in, and we have to. We have to really reevaluate and get the and get the strategists and the experts to find out how we we can get back the suburban vote and appeal to these guys to these voters and and bring them back in and 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 get them to realize look I mean this is what's at stake I mean are you better off than you were two years ago and they'll they'll be asking the question in 2020 are you better off now than you were four years ago and I'm hoping the answer is yes because if this economy continues to building strong and the stock market keeps having record highs and we keep having uh, unemployment drop. I mean, think about this. Unemployment has only been under 4% for 11 months since 1969. And six months of that is under Donald Trump. Can you believe that? That's crazy. That's awesome. You know, because Obama wants to claim it was from it. Yeah, right. Obama, Obama, Obama couldn't even get GDP uh, up three percent in a single year. The Obama administration couldn't do that. He was the only president not a- ever able to do that. The only president. Heck, even 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 old Bill Clinton was able to do it. I mean, it, it's it's crazy, you know. So I want you guys to continue to ponder that. I mean, just just look at everything around you. The device of this doesn't just come from the right. It it mostly comes from the left and the media. And we saw with Jim Acosta. So just keep an eye open, you know, just really keep in the back of your mind what the Democrats are really doing. They're really just moving in slowly for the kill. And we we have to recognize that. And if you don't, it'll be a nice, slow killing in 2020. It, it'll just be a, a heartbreak for the Republican Party. It really will be. So just keep your eyes on that and, and just focus on that. So. Uh, thank you for joining me today on uh, Thursday, November eighth, twenty eighteen. Uh, I hope I, w- I informed you a little bit on uh, on some of the political things going on, as others well the current events. And uh, join me tomorrow uh, for some more information on uh, on politics, uh, the current events, and the issues that may be on your mind. Take it easy. So the event that happened in um, Thousand Oaks, California, this morning. Very, very unfortunate event. Uh, we had another mass shooting go on. Um, it happened at a bar, a uh, college bar. Well, not really a college bar, but a bar that has a lot of college kids in it. Line dancing. Kind of similar to what we have here in Florida. We've got a couple of bars that do that stuff. So, uh, a lot of college kids in there uh, that go there. Thousand Oaks, California. It's called Borderline uh, Bar. Uh, people go to line dance, have fun. Um, it's really a, a fun place to go to, as I'm reading here. Uh, I, uh, a white guy by the name of Ian Long walked in there. He's a Marine veteran. He's 28 years old. Uh, seems like he had a troubled past of some kind. Um, neighbors and, and people that knew this guy said he was hard to deal with, you know, and a neighbor said it, he'd wave at, uh, at Ian and he, Ian would never wave back. Kind of a, kept to himself, you know. You could tell, I guess, there was something off is, is what many people are saying. But um, his mother uh, reportedly had problems with him kicking in doors and in walls in the house. He lived with his mother, by the way. So we got a Marine veteran that walked into a, 
a nightclub where people are just trying to have a good time and shoots it up and unfortunately kills 11 people. Uh, I think 13 total were killed. Uh, yeah, 13 were killed, uh, including a brave <coughs> veteran uh, sheriff's uh, deputy of 29 years uh, went in there to try to save people and unfortunately didn't make it out. Um, very, very sad. Um, so, you know, I, I really want to know what the solution is to this kind of situation. Uh, we've had so many mass shootings go on in the United States, uh, especially the ones, uh, you know, they've been going on for a long time now, you know, here and there. And the media had just recently, uh, especially in the Trump administration, started reporting them, you know, big or small. So now it appears that we have a plethora or a very common occurrence of these shootings going on. And so uh, the media tries to politicize everything, as they always do. Um, it doesn't matter what the event is. And it's almost like they don't even really care what happened. It's more about getting the ratings up and reporting something that may be a shred a bit of excitement uh, for them and for their viewers. So um, it's funny because I have liberal friends and acquaintances that I talk to about these kind of issues. you know, And I try to pick their brain and see what they're thinking or what they may suggest as the solution to these problems that we're having, you know, with people going in and shooting up places. And a common answer I find, you know, and you see it on social media, is the ban, you know, assault weapons. Now, the Colt 45 this guy used in the shooting, he bought it legally. He had it legally. Of course, he's a veteran, so. And so he also had a magazine on, extended magazine, which was illegal. He wasn't supposed to have that, so. Uh, it's we're kind of waiting to hear, you know, and see exactly how he obtained that magazine, and uh, we're waiting to find more information about him. I know they're going to have a press conference about it at around five o'clock over there in Thousand Oaks. I know the sheriff's department was going to put a press conference out to explain uh, in further detail what happened. Um, but this guy had this gun legally, but the magazine wasn't legal, and he walked in and he killed in twelve innocent people. I mean, it's just crazy. You just can't go anywhere anymore without having to worry about your surroundings, you know. Even churches, you know, they got to be careful. And that's crazy. And that shouldn't be like that. Um, so, uh, in our probe for the solution, uh, a common answer I find from my liberal Democrat friends is that, oh, well, we got to ban assault weapons. Okay, what's an assault weapon? I mean, an inanimate objects like guns. They don't just get up and shoot people. Um, you know, really, it, it, it doesn't make sense because anything that you can pick up, really, that has a good solid master, you can use as, as an assault weapon. So when they say ban assault weapons, they're not really specific. It's kind of a vague uh, a vague solution, if you, if you understand what I'm saying. In other words, they're only... They're only, you know saying that we're going to ban assault weapons. Well, what do you mean assault weapons? I mean, anything be an assault weapon, you know. I can pick up a pencil and stab 12 people with a pencil, you know. Uh, so, it's just, it's really vague. So, I'd really love to know, you know, what kind of solution we could come to to fix these problems. Because it seems like, you know, nobody's really trying to come to one, you know. Thoughts and prayers don't work, obviously. But, Look, 
uh, we have to find a way to prevent these things from happening. Now, uh, I think, you know, armed guards and stuff in some ways may be a little extreme, but, you know, in schools, there are definitely ways to strap down the security so people can't just walk into the school and shoot it up. So, I think that a good place to start for our representatives in the Senate and the House is to figure out and maybe interview veterans, people, security experts, you know, interview security experts, get expert advice on maybe how to better secure public places, especially places where people gather in crowds, because that's, you know, that's what a common theme in these shootings is they go in crowded places and they know they're going to be able to kill or injure at least quite a few people. I mean, you saw that in the country. That guy was, you know, Stephen Paddock, which we could go into further detail about. I think he was a patsy. But Stephen Paddock was up there, allegedly, and, you know, shot up 50-something, killed 50-something people at that concert. You know, people just trying to have a good time. So, and, you know, another breaking part of that story about the Ian Long going into that bar and shooting at the place, they had to go to his residence in April and investigate him and give him a mental health evaluation, which is interesting because they released him. They they didn't find any reason to have to, you know, deem him mentally unfit or ill or whatever. So he was okay to go on about living his life. So there was your first red flag right there. And, And it seems like a common theme in these shootings that the shooter, you know, especially in the Parkland shooting, was investigated multiple times and the, the, the Brown County Sheriff's down there, they, they failed to do their job in that case. Now in this case, you know, they did a thorough investigation of this guy and his mental health and they released him. So, you know, it, it just it's just crazy. You know, there was that red flag there. So, it's just interesting, you know, to, to, to receive that kind of information. And then when you assess it, you're like, well, how could it have been further pre- prevented? You know, had there been more proper precautions taken. And we don't have enough details in this uh, story yet to to make that decision. You know, we just know a white guy went in there and shut up. And the Democrats, oh my God, the liberals are jumping on this like flies on shit. Uh, they just love this kind of, the, the media especially too. Uh, of course, they align with, with, the, with the liberals uh, just about everything. Um... They just they just eat this up, and they got a they've already got their fingers out and pointing them at you know conservatives and Republicans, and especially the NRA you know because I guarantee you in the next few days we'll hear nothing but the NRA NRA is a terrorist organization blah 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 well I was we were up in Jacksonville a few months ago, and I saw multiple multiple billboards claiming that the NRA is a terrorist organization. And I just couldn't believe it because an organization isn't going to go out and sponsor people just going and shooting up clubs and stuff. They just want to protect our Second Amendment rights, which is definitely understandable. You know, because you've got so many people that want... It's like Stacey Abrams in, in Georgia. She she had publicly claimed in interviews that she would not be against having people turn their weapons in. Uh, assault weapons, yeah. Whatever those may be. I'll turn, I'll turn in, you know... I'll turn in all my tools, my big monkey wrench and stuff, because those are assault weapons, right? Potentially. So, you know, and then and then you got the identity politics playing in. Uh, I mean, one of the first things I saw was, well, he's a white male. 
well, what what does it matter what race or gender or uh, sex he is, you know, sexual orientation he is? What does it matter? You had a really, really sick in the mind dude walk into a place and kill a bunch of people. What does it matter? If you, you know, if you want to bring that up, let's bring up Chicago. How the black-on-black crime and killings is at its all-time high. You know why? Because nobody does anything about it. You know, and they keep electing the same people in there. That's the definition of insanity. They keep electing Democrats up there in Illinois. And they wonder why nothing gets solved. Because these guys are all talk and no action. It's typical Democrats, you know. It's nothing new. So, identity politics, and we'll, we'll move on to that, is, is just crazy. These people just just play on the identity of people all the time. Well, just because he's white must must mean something, right? Yeah, all white all these all shootings have been white people. Okay, I get that. But that really doesn't you know, you're just demonizing one race and that ain't right. So, I don't agree, you know, the identity politics thing is just a bunch of hoopla. I I just I, I don't agree with that at all. You're just putting people in bad places and you're demonizing race and you're just it, it's really just racist you know so uh, it's it's just ridiculous how it's okay for them just to play the race card and the identity card all the time and that's how they you know they just that's how they get get away with you know uh, explaining why or blaming or pointing the finger they use identity politics most of the time if you look around 99 percent of the time they're using identity politics it's crazy so uh, you know, in, in any election, the day after the election, the people are putting out graphs on the social media. Oh, so many white women voted for Cruz as opposed to to, uh, to Beto O'Rourke. Okay, this must mean something. And I saw one girl posted the graphs, you know. Uh, well, I don't know how white women could vote against their reproductive rights. Well, what do you mean your reproductive rights? Don't be vague. Yeah, they don't want to. Ted Cruz doesn't sponsor abortion. He's a He's a pro-life guy. You know, uh, abortion to me, that's a whole other subject to talk about some other time. But abortion to me, um, I'll just give you my stance on it right now. I, I don't believe it's right. You know, people, you know, they'll go and protect uh, bald eagle eggs and say they're endangered. You know, you can't you can't do anything to those. But you sure as heck can't do anything to it. You sure as heck can do stuff to an unborn baby, which doesn't make sense to me. I mean, it's life. At the moment of contraception, you're creating a human miracle. So, uh, besides that point, back to the identity politics, uh, you know, these graphs, you know, we're just insane. You know, you got the left playing on these identity politics. Uh, again, no surprise. Uh, and it's just ridiculous. And I don't understand it. So, uh, you know, and that's their card. That's the card they play all the time is the identity politics and it's bullcrap. And uh, it just, it singles out races and it's it's not right, you know, because they have nothing else to play on. They've got nothing else of substance uh, to offer their base and their voters, you know. So they got to point fingers at, at, at the identity. Oh, well, white privileged people, you know, they get anything they want, so it doesn't. They're you know when they vote, it doesn't matter to them anyway. Yes, it does. Don't freaking fall for that. It matters as much to me as it does to anybody else. Okay, and this white privilege stuff that plays in too. The Democrats love, love to play on white privilege. It's not. It, it doesn't exist. There's no rights afforded to me that are not afforded to anybody else. That's true. Okay, actually. I've read reports of, you know, uh, for example, when, when, when minorities go for mortgages, they're more apt 
or they're more advantaged to get them because these finance, these mortgage, uh, um, these banks have to lend mortgages to a certain amount of minorities, you know. So when they talk about white privilege, they're just yapping at the mouth. They're like chihuahuas almost, you know. But um, it's just crazy how they just play off this identity stuff all the time. And uh, they just they just let it roll on. So uh, relating to that, uh, in South Florida, we got Palm Beach County and Broward County specifically. They're still counting ballots. And Rick Scott's lead in Florida went from like 90,000 down to 17,000. Where are these ballots coming from? I was listening to Hannity earlier and he was putting it together pretty pretty clearly there. In the last few elections, especially in 2000, 2004, these, these couple of counties in South Florida always have a problem with getting their uh, the total of their ballots, count, ballots counted. And they claim that military members and this and that and uh, the mail-in ballots weren't counted yet. Why? Uh, every other county in Florida submitted uh, their count of ballots for each candidate. Uh, easily and on time. Why can't these two counties ever get it right? What shenanigans are going on? I don't know. I think it should be investigated. You know, and that's not. I'm not saying that just because. Um, uh, it's 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 the Republican seat might be lost. I'm not saying that. It it's just that Henny was talking about every time an election like this comes up, and and these these counties are very very left leaning. And, you know, I was just going to throw that in there because every every election we've had where the race is close, like the presidential election of 2000 with Gore and Bush and the 2004 election between Kerry and Bush, uh, they've seen to have problems of submitting their, their ballot count. And when, they, when they're asked, you know, how many more ballots we got to count? Well, they don't know. Oh, we don't know. Well, how do you not know? You have the ballots there. You haven't counted how many you've got to do or how many you've got left to count. I mean, my gosh. So there are some shenanigans going on down there. And that's something that needs to be looked into for sure. So, you know, um, uh, it's just it's just crazy, you know. And Rick Scott declared himself winner. But, of course, Nelson's going to sue for a recount, right? So uh, that's no surprise there. We know what's going to happen. Uh, there are a lot, a lot of uh, races in Florida that probably will have to be recounted. Uh, even governor, because that's that's slimming down too. That is becoming closer than we thought, um, apparently. So, unfortunately, we might, you know, it, it might come down to a runoff. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, but that would be that would be crazy, you know, because all these ballots are coming. And where are they coming from? Oh, we don't know. They're they're write-ins. Uh, okay. All right. So uh, I think. Uh, the the Board of Elections of Florida needs to really investigate it. And when they do the recount, they need to keep a close, close eye on the ballot counting because there have been instances in these counties before where uh, ballots were counted twice, three times, four times. So they got to be really careful. And uh, they, they just have to really fine-tooth comb it and make sure that it's counted right and make sure the right candidate won. So that's also really important as well. Um, back to uh, the races, okay, up north in, in Georgia, north north. We're, we're I, I'm we're out of Florida, so up north of us is Georgia, and, and we're really close to that race too, as well as Texas. 
Uh, Brian Camp won. All right. But Stacey Abrams won't concede. She claims that that uh, the race is too close and not all the ballots have been counted yet. She thinks that she can overcome the lead he had or whatever small margin occurs at this point. So uh, I don't know. They're talking about having a runoff between them if it gets any closer. And if they do, I'm not sure what the outcome might be. You know, uh, it's just it's crazy. They're gonna have to do a recount there too, and then maybe a runoff. We'll see. Because uh, Brian Kemp, it, it was a shocker. Because everybody, you know, it was projected that she was gonna take the take the Georgia governorship by by storm, which didn't happen because he was up really early, big time. So uh, it's it's crazy um, that we're having all these races all of a sudden get real real close, especially the the, the race, you know, and in, in the governor of Florida too, Ron DeSantis with the Andrew Gillum. Gillum conceded. You know, he wasn't even bothered, which was which which we we which was really weird to me. Um, so they're gonna do uh, if it gets any closer with the ballot counting, they're gonna do probably a recount of the governor race here in Florida. They're probably definitely gonna do it for the senator race between Rick Scott and Bill Nelson. And Bill Nelson should have been voted out a long time ago. He's been in the Senate for forty years. I think he's been reelected like three or four times, maybe five. I don't know. And well, probably six times, you know, you know, six-year terms. Um, and there's been numerous videos shown of him in sessions, just falling asleep all the time. He's not even there. He's just a face. He's just a face with a Democratic title pinned to him. And people just voted for him just because he's a Democrat, you know, just to keep Rick Scott out. And that's crazy, you know, because this guy's been in there 40 years and the amount of things he's done has been minimal. He really hasn't done very much, to be honest. And he really, he's kind of a party line guy. Uh, he obstructed the Kavanaugh nomination. I mean, he, he basically, I mean, he voted no, obviously, as most of, I think all the Democrats did. Yeah, they did. And so um, getting him out of there is pretty important because Rick Scott, I think he'll get some things done in Washington. I mean, he's not as strong backbone as, as everybody thinks, but um, I think he could definitely make a better difference than Bill Nelson. That's for sure. So, um, and I'm really hoping that that race gets resolved really quick. I mean, they're talking about Saturday morning. Everything should be figured out in Florida. <laughs> and I really hope it doesn't come back to a runoff. I really hope that Rick Scott takes the seat and is able to go to Washington and maybe make some kind of difference, you know, maybe because now the Republicans have a 54 seat force. Well, they've got 54 seats, but they got like a four seat majority now, you know, and if that's taken away, you know, uh, that'll, you know, it will still have a good majority in the house in the Senate. Now the house, we lost that by only 26 seats. And I'll tell you why that's important. Okay. Trump is among uh, um, quite a few presidents that have lost the House in a midterm election. And he is, I think, I believe he's tied with Ronald Reagan to lose the least amount of seat, House seats, which is great. I mean, uh, from all the stuff we'd been hearing, it was going to be a giant blue wave. And it really wasn't. It was, it was, it was a lot closer. I mean, if we wouldn't have won the House, it wouldn't have really made a difference anyway. The Republicans won the House. It, would, it wouldn't have made much of a difference because um, having a teeny majority, I mean, a lot of disruption will still occur. So them winning the House, it, it kind of gives people a chance to kind of openly uh, look at the Democratic agenda. You know, what's going to happen? 
Are they just going to openly investigate the Trump administration for two years until the 2020 uh, midterms come back? Or not the midterms, but I mean, it'll be the general election. The president will be up. Trump will be up for re-election as well. Uh, is that they're all going to do is investigate the Trump campaign and Trump himself? I mean, that's what it looks like. Uh, Pelosi was talking about maybe working um, on a lot of issues bipartisan. But we know Nancy Pelosi. Gosh, she's been in there a long time. Uh, when they were passing the ACA, the Affordable Health Care Act. On AHA, actually. Well, the Affordable Care Act is what they call it, ACA. Um, she was talking about this when she was Speaker of the House, I believe it was 2009 to 2010. She was talking about how um, they would have to pass the bill first to know what's in it. Well, we knew darn well that these guys had thrown in a bunch of stuff that didn't have to do with health care. So uh, a lot of re- Republicans, they re- I believe they received the health care bill like the night before they were supposed to vote on it. So they had everybody fine tooth combing it, and they found a lot of crap in there. They found stuff that had to do with uh, um, pro-choice, and, and they just had they, they found a lot of stipulations in there that had nothing to do with health care. And so, uh, you know, Pelosi's just real, real sneaky. So we have to watch her, keep our eye on her. And we'll have to see if she's actually elected Speaker of the House because there are a lot of Democrats who uh, vowed that she that they would not vote for her. And so they have a 20, 228 uh, House seat uh, count as opposed to the Republicans, 207, I believe. So uh, I believe I heard on Brian Kilmeade this morning. A very, He's a very good... Um, uh, conservative uh, talk show host uh, talking about how um, the um, uh, the Democrats that the newly elected Democrats that hold the majority now uh, a lot of the newcomers uh, were talking about how they wouldn't elect Pelosi to be the House Speaker. So this will be interesting to see who they elect to be the House Speaker, if not Nancy Pelosi. It'll be it'll be interesting to see because everybody else has already pledged to impeach Trump and obstruct any progress or legislative advancements that they want to make. So it'll be interesting to see the true colors of the Democrats uh, in the upcoming two years uh, before the presidential in the next presidential election. And it'll be interesting to see what the Democrat who the Democrats put up. You know, uh, for the choices of their of their nominee for the presidential election, because Joe Biden, for example, is getting too old. I mean, I believe he's pushing. I think he's in his seventies. I think, right? Yeah, I think he's in his seventies. And you know, I don't know. It. I think it would be a close race if the Republicans don't retain the suburban vote. And that's one thing Ben Shapiro talked about yesterday as well. Uh, the Republicans have got to appeal to the suburban vote. If they don't, they're gonna they're probably gonna lose the presidential election. That's that's just plain and simple. So the suburban vote has become very important because there were a lot of suburban areas, especially in Texas, the Texas race. A lot of suburban areas were leaning Democrat. So if we don't appeal to the suburban voters, uh, we're gonna be in big trouble. Now, if we do appeal to suburban voters, and the Republican strategists really have to investigate this, they really got to dig into it and find out what we got to do to appeal to these voters. <laughs> If we appeal to the suburban voters, I don't think we'll have a problem winning in 2020, the presidential election, which will be great because uh, if anybody else is elected in there, uh, say goodbye to the the great economy we're having, 
the tax cuts. And they're not crumbs because I've talked to many, 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 many people, especially low-income people that get to retain, you know, 500, 1,000 bucks, $2,000 a bet. It's important. It really is. And it's not important to the Democrats. Why? To the representatives. Why does it matter to them? Because they have all kinds of money. It doesn't matter. That's, that's really nothing to them. $2,000, they spend that in, in three days uh, dining out, right? So, you know, $2,000 is a lot of money for the average middle-income family to reinvest. It really is. I mean, think about it. $2,000, you go and budget that out. You know, you do a little Dave Ramsey budget. You'll find out that $2,000 can go a super long way, especially if you're paying on debt as well. So... Um, you know, for them to talk about taking back and in, in raising taxes again, you're only going to bring it back to the stagnant economy that we had under Obama. Obama had a stagnant economy. It, it Nothing really went up or nothing really went down. You had your fluctuations, but it really stayed stagnant. There was really nothing that significant during the happening economy during the Obama era. It was only when Trump took off and started really deregulating things and really started getting investors excited and getting people excited. Consumer confidence went up through the roof when Trump was elected because people were more comfortable spending money again. They knew they weren't going to get taxed up the butt. They knew they could spend their money uh, comfortably and wisely without having to worry about the ramifications of the Democrats' policies and, and intentions. So, you know, you got to ask yourself the question. And really, you know, don't don't just align yourself with with the Democrats just because you believe your values. Because if you really do some investi- investigation, I mean, do your do your values really align with them? Are you are you really on board with all the policies and the initiatives that they want to take? I mean, I'm not sure. Uh, a lot of people I know that were liberal in 2016 are now Republican because they've seen all the bullcrap that's been going on from the left, and so. You really just got to take into consideration and look over and, and inform yourself about what the agenda of the Democrats really is. Because a lot of the time it's not good. It's really just impeach, impeach, investigate, impeach. Okay? And the Miller investigation has done so much probing. There's no evidence of collusion with Russia. None. And they still keep probing it. We're spending tax dollar money to investigate what? A theory that the Democrats had. So that's what they got to do. They've, they've, the, the, the Democrats are really just obstructing. Okay. So I want to talk about one more thing before we uh, close it out. The Texas Senate race. Close, really close. I really didn't think Ted Cruz was going to win. I really didn't. From all the speculation I'd been hearing from in the polling, I thought, probably thought better work was going to pull it out. Narrowly, but I thought he was going to pull it out, you know, because he led really early. And that was because they had the big cities in first, obviously, you know. They didn't really bring in, you know, the urban or rural areas yet. So Ted Cruz only pulled off to win by four points.